This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products or you want CBD products at a lower price, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, use promo code THEPODCAST25 with a capital D, and you'll receive 25% off. They ship within North America. They have everything from roll-ons to tonics to ointments to anything you need or want, especially if you're into MMA or if you're a wrestler or any of those type of genres. You will need this. You will want this. So you will get 25% off with the promo code THEPODCAST25. And if you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show today, please go to poppyapparel.com, use promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship worldwide, and they ship free with $50 or more. They have everything from women's dresses to pants to tops to whatever a woman needs or wants, any shape or size, go to poppyapparel.com. And lastly, go to firstrow.ca. It is First Row Collectibles. It is a Canadian company. So please, if you're a Canadian listener and you want to support Canadian company, they are based out of Winnipeg. So go to firstrow.ca. You will get 20% off if you use promo code THEPODCAST20. They have everything from wrestling collectibles, autographs, comic books, action figures, sports cards, and anything in between every and everywhere, I guess, or wherever. I'm already fucking up, but whatever. They probably don't listen to the show, so I'm good. But anyways... Go to firstworld.ca, use promo code THEPODCAST20, and you'll get anything you want. And everything's in Canadian funds, and they ship worldwide as well. So, let's get into this week's guest. He is a fellow Canadian, I hope. <laughs> you might have seen him on TNA or Impact TV. Former TNA World Tag Team Champion as part of the K with Abyss. Ladies and gentlemen, professional wrestler, Crazy Steve. Greetings and salutations. Hello, everyone. Hi, what's going on? What's up with you, my friend? How How is everything nowadays? Everything is well. Everything is uh, balanced. So to speak. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, you're Canadian. Born in, Mont- born in Montreal? No. See? Absolutely not. There you go. That's already yeah. the first fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe everything you read on the internet, kids. So where were you born then? I was born in Barrie, Ontario. Oh, shut I'm up. Actually, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I'm actually from a little tiny village called Angus, Ontario. I know exactly where that is. Obviously, being yeah. from Toronto, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! So were you raised there as well, or just born there? Yep. No, I was born and raised there. Oh, sure. um, I moved like a little bit throughout my childhood to like no further than Barrie. Okay. Um, and a couple places in between, like New Lowell, but I would always kind of find my way back home to Angus. Oh wow! And did you enjoy it there, being in a small town, or did you always have that big aspirations to move to a big city? Um, I knew <laughs> that I wasn't meant to stay there. Oh, okay. I didn't know where okay. I was going. I couldn't tell you that, but like, I but I still like. I, for as much flack as a small town usually gets, mm-hmm. I still, I love Angus and it's, it was my home and like, it's where I will, that, that will be always like my first home, I suppose. Um, so I mean, but I, I knew that I wasn't meant to stay there forever. Gotcha. I couldn't do that. <laughs> so, no. so when did you leave? How old were you? When was the first time you stepped out of Angus and venture into the world? Oh my god! <laughs> I was twenty-one. Okay, I that's pretty say. young. No, I was twenty. I think Even twenty. Better. Sure. And I moved into a worker house in St. Catharines, Ontario. Okay, sure. <laughs> with seven other bigger. professional wrestlers. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, Sean Spears being one of them. Nice. There's a uh, <laughs> our buddy Screech, um, who who plays a great character throughout that house. Uh, JT Playa, who anybody who's familiar with Neo Spirit Pro Wrestling or the Niagara area knows exactly who JT Playa is. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> um, it was a it was a madhouse. It was for like seven pro wrestlers living in it. Though we kept it very clean, I will say that. Okay. But it was uh, it was built in the seventies. Had a, like all this cool character to it. Right. It had like two living areas, two bathrooms, two kitchens. It was huge, and it had seven <laughs> rooms. Everyone had their own room. No oh, one nice. was on top of each other. Okay. We, we, we ended up putting a ring in our garage. Right. Uh, <laughs> wow. But, yeah, that was the first time I actually left Angus, and then <laughs> from that point forward, I never really looked back. Some There would okay. be moments in my life where I would have to return home for certain situations, but I always knew that I was going to leave. No, I totally get it, for sure. And I, I don't really have experience. In the, well, I guess I sort of do because when – when I was younger, when I was about 17, my parents decided to uplift my life and moved back home to Portugal. So I ended up living in Portugal for a year. And where my mom was from, you literally knew everybody. I think the town had like 5,000 people or something. And you walk down the street, everyone's your fucking cousin. Like, you know, it, it's one of those sort of towns. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. do it. Coming from such a big city like Toronto to go to a little, little, literally a shack of a town to that many people, I had to come back. And then that's when I made my venture by myself and lived on my own since 18 and never looked back as well. But I guess I sort of know what you're talking about. You you were meant to be there. You were meant to go somewhere else. You just didn't know where, right? Yeah, I had no idea where. So did you start off wrestling in St. Catharines? Was that where you trained and all that shit? Um, I I trained in Cambridge, Ontario. Oh, okay. Uh, and that was under Eric Young, uh, right. his WrestlePlex dojo in Cambridge, Ontario. Nice. Um, I trained there in 2003, Okay, I want to say. Uh, and that was like, I trained there for about a year just before he left and went to Nashville and then was signed to TNA. Right. Makes sense. So what was, 
the, I guess, the explosion in your head when you're like, I need to be a wrestler, I'm doing this full-time, no looking back? Um, well, I always knew that I wanted to be a wrestler. I always knew something. It had to be, like, in kindergarten, I can distinctly remember oh, wanting to do a few things. It was either a comic book artist, okay. um, comedian, because I enjoyed being a class clown and making people laugh. Makes sense. Or... And or pro wrestler. Okay. That was the, those were the three things. And mind you, kindergarten. So, <laughs> um, high aspirations right from the get go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I knew. And then, I mean, but as I went through life, I kind of saw that, like, okay, well, that's a little. It's harder to do than just to want to become a pro wrestler. Like, they're especially coming from a small town. Um, and my case, I'm kind of a rare case in that I'm legally blind. Right. So I can't drive. Oh. And when you come from a small town, that it's hard to get to certain places. I could only imagine, of right. course. So, um, especially because like everything that was awesome was happening outside of where I live. Like for instance, I I was on the uh, my high school amateur wrestling team and I really okay. really liked it and I was right. really good at it nice. but I could only do it for a year and when I tried out the next year mm -hmm. there was nobody from my area that was able to drive back and forth so I oh. was I never ever kept up with it despite right. the fact that I really enjoyed doing it gotcha um so the idea of going to find a wrestling school in a town that literally had like maybe 7,000 people was was difficult like I didn't right. uh, like I didn't even have the internet until I moved out of my house oh wow yeah that's <laughs> what I mean like I yeah. grew up in a small I moved around Angus a bunch but I ended up like my teenage years I was in a, uh, a trailer park okay in Angus with my dad right and so it worked for it worked for us and it sounds real small when I talk about it now but it, it was you know it worked for what you know, for what our lives dictated at the time. Exactly. But yeah. And even to this day, like my dad still doesn't have the internet. He's like a caveman, doesn't have an internet, doesn't have a cell phone, refuses to get one. So like that was the household that I grew up in. Wow. So yeah. I sort of, <laughs> so, I, mean, I sort of envy him a little bit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But I mean, I, when I explain that today to kids today, they, like, oh, shit. Yeah. they wouldn't under, like, what do you mean you didn't have the internet? Like what, what are you talking about? Right. Cause to find a wrestling school today, is a lot easier than it was f for me. Oh, yeah. hands down, of course. So, um, and, and that we trained, uh, I, the thing was so, but at the time that the school kind of came into my life, I was doing backyard wrestling okay. with a, a buddy of mine who is now also a, uh, a professional wrestler. He's wrestled for All Japan Pro Wrestling. He's a fantastic jiu-jitsu player as well. Nice. Um, he wrestles under Jake O'Reilly. He found a school in Cambridge. He found Eric Young's uh, WrestlePlex. And he, at the time we were doing backyard wrestling, and mm -hmm. he asked uh, Eric Young, he said, you know, hey, man, I know you're looking for students. I have a buddy who I do backyard wrestling with. And, like, he's, you know, it's, I know it's backyard wrestling, but he's, like, he's athletic and stuff like that. I think he could be really good. Right. Uh, like, would you mind training him? And Eric was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, bring him along, you know, okay. uh, more the merrier. Uh, okay, cool. But look, here, here's the thing. Uh, he's blind. <laughs> uh, 
Wait, what? Yeah, so he he's blind. Well, no, then no, don't bring him to my school. Right. And he says, listen, he's like, I'm not trying to be a dick, yeah. but like, I don't want to be the guy who has to break this kid's heart and tell him that he can't train. Okay. And and I'm not going to be the guy who takes a blind kid's money. Gotcha. <laughs> Makes sense. And, yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah. Uh, and O'Reilly had to explain to, to EY, he's, he's <laughs> like, no, well, he can kind of see. Like, it's not like he's completely blind. He okay. can kind of see. Right, right. <laughs> and it took some convincing, but... I, I managed to go to like my first technical training class right. was I showed up and EY, he only did this for me and has never done it for any of his other students up oh. to that point was let me in the ring without having to sign anything. Oh, wow. And he said, if you can like take off your glasses and if you can see the ropes from the other side of that ring, okay. I think like I needed, he needed to judge my vision essentially. I got, so the yeah. only way in order to do that was have me get inside the ring. He wasn't going to make sure. me bump or, or do anything dangerous, right, right. but he needed to test how far I could see. Okay. And so we kind of had a mock eye test in, in this gym, so okay. to speak. Yeah, yeah. And based off of those results, he was like, okay, I think I can train you. Wow. And the rest, as they say, is history. It was, sure. And I, like, I gravitated towards it so quickly and uh, so smooth. And it was, oh, it was so much fun. It was so, so, so much fun. Oh, I could only imagine. Okay, before we get into more wrestling talk, you, yes, you, yes, you yes, brought yes. it up. You're legally blind. For those who don't know, how did you become blind? Were you born blind? Did it come over time? Yeah, no, I was actually born legitimately blind. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, through cataracts. I had cataracts when I was born, which okay. is rare for an infant. Sure. Um, cataracts are usually developed in uh, aging adults. Of course. So, uh, and I mean... The, to be honest with you, like I was uh, when I was born, I was a very small child. I was premature, and mm-hmm. I was born. I was like two pounds, okay. so I spent a lot of time in an incubator. And then by the time I was able to go home, my parents they, they quickly realized like he doesn't he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he just kind of he sits in his crib, right? And he just he, he's great, but he doesn't move. And, oh, and then they okay. realized like they, like that's when they. You know, they took me back to the hospital and they realized, like, oh, my God, he, he's blind. Okay, yeah. So then I spent a, a large majority of my time inside Children's Hospital and they were doing tests. And I guess mm-hmm. um, I'm in a bunch of my case or my study or whatever it, you would have it is, uh, is in a bunch of textbooks and stuff like that, okay. <laughs> from what I'm told. Okay. Um, needless to say, I ended up getting surgery and so I'm able to see. Oh, but, okay. Okay. Uh, but I have glaucoma as well. Oh, wow. So as I get older, my eyes get worse. I'm the Michael Jordan of not seeing. I'm really good at it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I, for instance, like, despite the fact that I, I say, like, oh, I can see that's, like, I can't drive. Right. I'll never pass an eye test that's going to get me to drive. Okay. Like, I found that out when I was 16, which okay. that was awesome. That's really good news to find out when you're 16 that you're never going to be able to drive. Well, like you said, especially from a small town, you need to drive. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I get it. to pick up chicks <laughs> when you're like, hey, like, ah, oh, let's go to the movies. Yeah. Uh, my, I'll get my, my dad to drive us there. If that's cool. Right. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I uh, get it. But the struggles, the struggles are real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So then. You started seeing a bit. Okay, so I, I, I yeah. need to know this too. Okay, I'm just pretending I'm ignorant and I don't know anything about sure, this. Sure, yeah, no, no, 
But I had the pleasure of going to the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory and actually getting in the ring with Tyson and seeing how it is. Okay, yeah. And I saw what the kids were doing. I saw everything. Again, I say kids because I'm 40 years old, so that's why I'm allowed to say kids. But the what they go through and what they do and everything, and the, I guess the memorization would probably be easier for you, but seeing and working off people, how the fuck do you do it, man? Honestly. Like, so, yeah, like I get to ask that all the time. I got asked, I, I get, when I got hired to Impact, Okay. John Gaborik was the one who like kind of, he was the one who said yes to the final yes. Okay, right. Uh, and he said the same thing. And I had to like kind of make up a answer on the spot real quick. Because honestly, like I don't have, I don't know how to answer that question that's satisfying. I don't know, oh, because okay. I have nothing to, I don't know how, I don't know what else to compare it to. Oh, right? that makes sense. I've never been able to see good. I've never been like, uh, Okay. So I don't know how I I don't know how to explain it. It's mm. I mean the 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 best way I can kind of explain it is like as you know pro wrestling is a lot of hands on stuff. Right. Now I'm like I'm I'm if I have you then I'm in control. I you know my body control is great sure. and I'm safe and uh and I'm able to I don't know and I'm athletic enough mm-hmm. that I'm able to pull that off. Okay. But there are certain, like uh, certain limitations that apply to me mm-hmm. in certain scenarios that okay. I have. Like, for instance, when it comes time to dive, and like there's these dive trains. And it, when I was in my early years of Impact, they mm-hmm. put me in a lot of X Division stuff where right. there's a lot of those dive trains. Exactly. And I, I couldn't be either one of the first guy. I can't be the first guy to catch you because oh. I won't see. You. You'll jump, and I'll right. see just the lights, and I won't okay. see your body. So right, right. I have to explain that to guys. Okay. Like, hey, look, I know that this match calls for this, but I can't catch you. Okay. But I'm hoping that you're going to catch me because I have to jump on you. <laughs> and, and, and like, every, <laughs> God bless them. Everyone is awesome. Everybody gets of it, course. and no one, no one has ever been a dick about it. Right, but right. it's always awkward for me to ask because – I wouldn't ask you to do something if I wasn't willing to do it myself. Uh, but in this case, there's no choice. There's so, yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the way pro- professional wrestling is today, like right. those matches call for those certain things. And if of I'm course. in that match and it's my job, then yes, that, then I'm put in that position. Right. right. So yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I, I like, totally to get answer, it. you know, short story long, I, I don't know how I do it. I'm kind of like a shitty version of Daredevil. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually, did you ever think of doing that gimmick in the ring? Uh, Well, I I do. Like, I mean, I have merchandise that has it, and I I do market myself as the real-life professional wrestling's real-life Daredevil, because I am. You know what? That's so true. I never thought of it that way. Professional wrestling and real life are not often used in the same sentence, but in this case... That's me, <laughs> you know, so. Okay, one last thing. You said no wrestler has really given you a hard time about not seeing properly. What about, like, promoters and breaking into the business? And, like, you said EY was nice with you, was, but was there any other trainers that were like, ah, whatever, or you you felt that stigma because you couldn't see as well as anyone else? No, I never have, exp- I don't think, because a lot of people don't know. Oh, that's true, too. I don't, like... I have no problem talking about it. And it's not really till recently that I've even like started advertising it and 
being smart about it and, and, and using it to more to my advantage. But yeah. in the early stages of me wrestling, I didn't really want it to be known because mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of like earn my stripes as a good professional wrestler, so oh, to speak. I don't right. like, and I always looked at it as like, this is my ignorance too, as like an 18 year old in the business, okay. but looked at it as like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to use that as like my thing. Because sure. I don't, I looked at it as like, I just how I looked at it, I guess. I didn't want to use that as like my gimmick. Gotcha. I wanted to get, I had something else I wanted to get over. I'm, you know, I'm very much artsy fartsy in, in nature. Yeah. So like, this was something that was put on me. I wanted to create something. I didn't want have to have something done for me. You know what I'm saying? No, it makes total that makes sense. sense. No, it does, so, of course. So in a lot of cases, people didn't really know. And, and, even my opponents too. And sometimes I would rib people (laughs) when I felt, yeah, like I would call the whole match. We would have the whole match in the back. And then just before we go out to the curtain, I'd say, Hey man, one more thing. Uh, I'm blind. So don't screw up. And then I'd slap him on the ass and push him with the curtain. Oh my God. And and, like, those are in instances where everything is comfy, cozy. And like, I know (laughs) that, you know, (laughs) but uh, yeah, like again, in, in a lot of early cases, People, people didn't know, and by the time they did know, they were like, "Oh, I, I had no idea. You would, you, I would never have known." <laughs> That's awesome, man. Okay, so let's get into what people know you for. Obviously, your, t- your, well, I say, I say TNA because at the time it was TNA when you first debuted mm-hmm. in TNA. But you debuted with, I guess, a pretty cool gimmick at first. I, I love the reincarnation with Abyss after. But before we get there, you started off with a faction called the Menagerie. It was, I guess, a sort of a band of outcasts, circus misfits, and it was led by Mike Knox. Correct. Correct. So how was that experience coming in, not just by yourself, but in a faction, not to sort of say you could hide behind other people, but you're not sort of the spotlight, so people aren't really focused on you, so you could sort of grow a little bit more without having the finger pointed at you? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So how, how was it being uh, in that faction to start off your TNA run? Um, I think it was like a really, for me, if you look at it, it was the perfect fit it was. for someone like me. Right. Uh, in that, in the sense that the whole, like that, how that all transpired was like, you have Rebel, right? who's good looking, you have Mike Knox, you have the freak, oh, yeah, and, then you, right. and then you had me. Right. And I was coming in as someone who has like no ind- independent buzz, mm-hmm. um, but I've been doing a, this, this, if you like character gimmick in crazy steve i had been doing it for 12 years up to this point oh wow so then okay yeah i've always been that from day one oh i never knew that anything all right i've has it's never been nothing that you know i've never changed from from day one i've definitely changed looks and all that stuff but i've always been that character in some form or fashion so when you ask me uh when i found out i was getting the the job um first of all i didn't give him a reason not to give me the job in in the sense that uh, when I when I got a tryout there, um, I wrestled two days. I wrestled Eric Young the first day, which is perfect. Perfect. Couldn't, <laughs> yeah. be, couldn't be better. Exactly. Um, so that was great. But I wrestled as uh, Crazy Steve. Okay. Uh, like an independent version of what that was at the time. Okay. And the next day, I heard through the grapevine that they might be looking at me in some sort of like circus type thing and it was this was early on they it wasn't really flushed out as a, to be exactly what it was but right. 
the next day I said, well, if they are going to have me wrestle, I'm going to change everything. Mm-hmm. So they, they had me wrestle the next day. And the, uh, the following day when I had wrestled EY, I had gotten some advice from Tommy Dreamer. Nice. Um, and so I applied all of his advice into that match. And I had changed. I painted my face to look like a clown. I changed mm-hmm. all my mannerisms. And I just gave them no reason not to hire me. <laughs> and so, Perfect, yeah. uh, and then from that point there, from there, I was living in, um, London, England, actually. So oh, wow. I flew back to London, England okay. after that tryout, not knowing what was, what was to be. Cause I had just uprooted my entire life from, uh, from living in Angus once again to living to moving to London, England. Right. So <clears throat> I'm living there. And then, um, I get through uh, email. Mm-hmm. I get told that I'm going to be signed and they're going to use me. And I was kind of nervous at the time because, again, like I had said, I was coming in with somebody who didn't really have independent buzz. But at like if you look at it at the time in when I was coming up in mm-hmm. 2003, 2004, the internet wasn't necessarily as no. prominent as it is today. Exactly. Yeah. You know, guys can do that now, and it's awesome. I totally love seeing like smash wrestling and and yep. stuff like that come out mm-hmm. of Canada and everyone looks fucking awesome because they should yep. and, it, and it's it's awesome but either way <laughs> I digress um, I I didn't have that at the time so right. the fact that I was getting a job and I was like fulfilling a dream was mm-hmm. awesome to me and they wanted me to be a creepy clown <laughs> no problem I got exactly. you yeah you know, it was the same character I was doing for the past 12 years. I just had to paint different colors on it, essentially. Yeah, makes sense. And then you, you know, but at the same time, too, you had to ask Mike Knox and Rob Terry. Right. And, okay, now you're a circus leader and now you're going to be a crazy freak show guy. And Rebel, you just have to be hot. Right. And so, like, that's tough. If you're coming, if you're Mike Knox and mm. them, you know, you're you're stepping into kind of new shoes at this point. Right. So I was comfortable, comfortable with it. Yeah, I was. This is no problem for me. This is easy, and it was like, it was so much fun. I like, and at the time, you know, they were the the roles that I had were limited, but I made the most of them, and I showed them and proved to them that whatever you give me, I'm going to make the most of it. And oftentimes, it worked, and it was it was so much fun. And plus, like I couldn't I couldn't see what was going on anyway. So. <laughs> I, Fair know, enough. Like there was nothing to be nervous about. Even like gotcha. in my dark matches, my dark matches, they weren't in front of audiences. They were yeah. in front of agents and the higher ups. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and there's no music and there's no atmosphere. Oh, and you're, okay. you're expected to go out there. And I'm a big character. If yeah. you've seen my work, I'm a big character. Of and so I'm expected to go out there into what is essentially like an empty room and do that. Mm-hmm. And I can do that no problem. It's to me, it's fun. It's easy because I don't have to be. I can. I'm crazy. I can do whatever. I can yep. be really weird. I can be funny. I can do whatever. And I don't see you anyway, so it doesn't matter to me. It's freeing. It's liberating in right. a sense. Well, watching as a spectator, it came off that way. Like you, you know, you were in your character, but you could still see you were having a good time with it. And like you, and sometimes you're like, "Holy fuck, is this guy really crazy?" Well, that's what I'm like. I say that I call it a character because it helps to tell a story better. But in the reality of the situation is that's me. Like that's, I am a weirdo. (laughs) I just hide it really well when it comes time to do it. If it's (laughs) when it, when it's deemed appropriate, you know, um, 
<laughs> but that is very much me. Like that is very, very much me. And that's part of why I've been doing it for so long because that's my passion, and that's where I feel like I'm making. I'm the best version of myself. Gotcha. Even if that best version is a plague. <laughs> you know? Hey, it works. If it works, it works, right? So okay, on to next abyss, tagging with yes. him, winning the tag titles against a a solid tag team in Beer Money. How was that? Like when you when, when you got that call, you're like, okay, you're going over, you're winning the titles against Beer Money. Go. Like, what the fuck's going through your mind? Um. Well, by that point, we've transitioned from clown to killer. So exactly. now I'm part of Decay, and that whole story, how that came about, is is oh, even better. Is, Go for it. Is instance. Yeah. So let's let's back it up, and sure. we'll get there. We'll get to the uh, the tag titles. Okay. So. Back to what I was saying, like if you go back and you look at the history of the menagerie, mm-hmm. the last person to be a part of that was me. Like yes. they let go of Rob Terry, or they, they didn't let him go, but they didn't come to terms with the contract. So right. one week we showed up to TV and he wasn't there, and uh, and Mike Knox was short; he was next to go, mm-hmm. and um, and Rebel was kind of just kind of floating, doing her own thing. Right, and I was still put in X division spots. Gotcha. As as this crazy clown because I could fit there at the time too. Right. I was a great, um, I was a great, I don't know, side character or whatever, whatever you want to call it to the X division where you had their athletic guys in their DJZs and yep. TJP and the Wolves and uh, all those guys. So to have this kind of character come over is is fantastic. Right. You know, it, it was great for me. Um, but that being said. The whole idea of the menagerie was put together by somebody who literally left the company within two or three weeks of us getting off the ground. Oh, wow. And so we were kind of like, we were a sinking (laughs) ship right from the get-go because once that person's gone, that influence is gone. And so they're just kind of left. And I went through this plenty of times in my impact career um, where like, okay, so we're (laughs) doing something and now we're not. All right. how do we transition? And now you have guys who are just floating. Right. I was one of those guys who was floating and like I had to struggle to get certain spots. And at the time like that, if you, if you were on TV, that's how you got paid. Right. So you're, you're trying to come up with something. Makes sense. Um, and so I was pitching ideas to writers about something different. And I always had this backup version of my character that I've been doing for 12 years on the Indies. Like, let me do that here. Right. Let me ramp it up and do that here. I just needed a way to transition into that. Okay. And Abyss was the perfect person to transition into that with. Why was it? I wanted to work for Impact for years, and I was pitching stuff to them in 2009 and 2010. Mm -hmm. And in all of my pitches, I was linking my character with Abyss's character. Okay. Um, And so this, at this point, I'm able to do that pitch from the inside, and it just made sense. And Mm -hmm. It worked for him. He was at a point where he wanted to be in a tag. Okay. And I was at a point where I needed, it would help me, it would benefit me to tag with him. Um, and so we had made this pitch. And at the time, Billy Corgan was with us. He okay. was just brand new and he was working for the company. Right. Uh, and he somehow got a hold of this. And I remember I was at a Nashville Predators hockey game. Okay. And. So I, th- I want to say Billy was there, and I want to say John Gaborik was there, and I was there with Eric Young, right. and 
John Gaborg says, hey, I have a Christmas present for you. I said, what's that? He says, we're going to go with your idea. Wow. I said, really? He said, yeah, we are going to go with your idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to have a girl in your stable as well. Oh. And, and Billy has a cool name. He wants to call it Decay. I'm like, that's okay. Awesome. Right. I'm, this is okay. Cool. You guys are speaking my language. <laughs> he said, he said, we'll, we'll be in touch with you, you know, and we'll kind of, if you have, cause they want ideas. They were always hungry for ideas and stuff like that. And I had a good relationship with everybody in there and I felt open enough to at least send them stuff, whether they use it or not. Right. So I'm all excited. I'm, I'm game. And mm-hmm. I'm, it gives me something to at least sink my teeth into. And at the time, uh, who has become known as Rosemary yes. at the time was destroying the Ontario independent scene Boy, as the demon assassin. Yep. And it fit when I, you know, when they had mentioned, we want to put a girl with you. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> she's, I've worked, I know her. I've known her as soon, like from the time she stepped into the, into the wrestling ring. So wow. like, she's, yeah, she'd be awesome. What if we, you know, so I called her up and I said, Hey, uh, I don't know what you're doing and with pro wrestling or anything like that, but would you mind if I pitched you for this thing? That, and she's like, yeah, absolutely. That's fine. Right. And so I said, okay, well, I need these things from you. I need a promo. I need this from you, whatever. So she was quick to send me all that stuff. And literally it went from like that phone call conversation. And like, I think it was like two months or it was somewhere like two months later, she was signed. Wow. Yeah. It didn't take long. It's, I, awesome. I could even, I could even have that time frame messed up but it was it was really really quick to turn around right. and uh we i remember we were debuting in january of what was it 2015 okay i think i want to say that 2015 anyway so we're debuting and um i remember talking to billy corgan and i right. said hey man what are you thinking about entrance music for us yes and he's and he said well, I don't know. Like, I don't see you guys coming out to some sort of like crazy death metal. Like, uh, you know, and I said, great. Neither do I. Okay. I don't, uh, that's not, I'm not, you know, and at the time that like, that was music to my ears. Nothing wrong with that either, but that was not what we were about. Of course. Um, especially with the name decay, I felt like the music needed to be eerie and creepy and like, you know, slow moving. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he said, well, what do you think? And I had been to, a concert of his earlier that summer and he was playing with Marilyn Manson. So I knew he was close with Marilyn Manson. So I just pitched and I just said to him, what about Manson? Yes. And he said, well, what song? And I wasn't ready for that. And I was like, "Uh, okay, give me, give me, uh, give me a little bit and I'll come back to you with a song. He said, he said, "Uh, okay. So I literally ran around him and I was like, okay. So I went through my, all my, on my phone. I went through all the, his albums and I always liked the opening to the nobodies yep. that sound was just like I don't know I just really really liked it and I had this vision in my head of how that entrance would go and it, it so I went back to him I said here's what I'm thinking and he listened to it he's like oh yeah I like that he said I like that okay well here's the truth of the situation it's probably not going to happen <laughs> one I'll pitch it to him right. but he's in LA right now okay. and it's the daytime so he's probably sleeping Makes but sense. he's also going to want to get paid. And yeah. there's going to be like, we're going to have to jump through things. But it's just so you know, it's likely not to happen. Okay, okay cool. Hey, I'm just happy <laughs> that I was, you know, you're listening to me and sure. like, cool, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So literally an hour goes by and he's like, hey, so it's going to happen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'd like, it's, it's actually, it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to go through. So, you know, and they made it work. And so I bring that up because theme music, as you know, is such a vital part to pro wrestling. Well, I talk about it all the time. Like I had TJP on and I brought up his theme music about being like a Mega Man type theme. And I yes. and if people are listening, they're like, "Oh, here we go again, talking about theme music." Well, because I think you need it's just like you need the promo, you need the finishing move, you need the the, the mic time, everything like in ring. Yeah. It all comes to you've never had a world champion with generic music. Like, think about that, right? Yes. So yeah. go on. Sorry, I just have to add but, my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I completely agree, and I mean, what the how I explain it is if you are watching from the comfort of your own home, it takes you nothing. It literally takes no effort to change the channel. So if you hear, if you're strolling through professional wrestling and you hear that glass break, you know, and then you stop, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, even if you don't know what it is, it's impactful right. enough for you to at least stop from pressing the button. And exactly. then maybe you get into it. Right. right. So, um, and I, I mean, I bring that up. Not everybody can have the glass breaking, but so, yeah, yeah. But for me, it was the nobodies. Yes. And that would be our version of that, so to speak. And the fact that we got it, to me, I was, oh, 16-year-old Crazy Steve was losing his mind. <laughs> right? Every single time. Every single time. Um, so all of this is happening at once. Like right. The theme music is happening um, at the time. And then, like, Rosemary gets hired. Yeah. That's happening. I'm, I'm teaming with Abyss. Yep. Um, that's finally happening. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was painting everybody too. I was painting everyone's faces. I was oh, wow. in charge of a lot of like this, the design work oh, cool. at the beginning. Right. And then, and, and that was in all reality, that was just so like Rosemary was getting her feet wet within a new company. But I knew as soon as she was comfortable with swimming, it was going to take off and it was no problem. And that's right. exactly what happened. Uh. So she has a very big part in how the artistic. Uh, look of things went into it as well. Mm-hmm. It was very much a team effort in mm-hmm. all three of us with Abyss playing a veteran role yeah. in how to organize and plan you know, what were oftentimes very violent and chaotic matches mm-hmm. in, in short spans of time as like the filming for Impact was very hectic and like when we were on, we were on. Right. And um, so in certain cases, like even for me at the time, I had only been with the company for a few years. So I was still relatively new to shooting television and, and then I'm put in a big place with, I'm, I'm working higher up on the card in higher profile matches. Right. And this is all happening at once. And it's yeah. a big snowball effect. So by the time we get to us beating beer money and winning the tag titles, it's all kind of one big blur. Oh, um, okay. Makes not sense. That it, and it's not that it didn't, because it it was it definitely meant something, and right. it was awesome, and it was. But you could see the trajectory going up there. Sure. It's it's not like it caught a soft guard, right. and it's not like it caught anybody else off guard, and that's yeah, you know, because what was what we were doing was working, yeah, and. For sure. And at the time, there was only so many places for us to go. It's not like the tag division always was filled with like talented guys, yep. but there was only so many tag teams that you could really go through at one time. Of course. Um, and so when you seen how things were working, it was just a natural progression that we were going to get there. Mm-hmm. No, what, you did. What yeah. came after that 
which you know we can get into. I didn't see coming. <laughs> but well, that was going to be my next thing. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into the Hardys and that crazy universe with the Great War, the Leader Decay, Final Deletion, and even the last one, uh, Tag Team Apocalypto. Did you go flying into a volcano or something? <laughs> yeah, I hold some pretty awesome records. In, 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 <laughs> right. As far as like, oh yeah. Let's start from yeah. the beginning. Then, how did all this yes. come to be with the Hardys? Then, what, yeah, was, okay, go for it. So. Um, Again, so we're tag champions and everything is going strong. And at the time, it was just, it was a natural progression. It okay. wasn't like it was meant from the start. When Mac was doing his broken thing with Jeff, right. that was meant to be their own thing. Right, exactly. Um, and, and they did the first deletion video. Yeah. And that was only, that was meant, it was an experiment and it worked. And it was so smart in how it worked. Right. And it got over as it should. Because yep. it was, especially for what you know, what was being shown in professional wrestling at the time. Exactly, that, um, I think that's what it was. It was more the off factor than anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and it, the idea that people hated it at first was kind of all part of it. Like, yes, of course, <laughs> you guys are going to hate it, but <laughs> give it time, yeah. you know. And once people kind of were in on it, once mm-hmm. everybody was in on it, then it was it. It was as if uh, pro wrestling fans are really ready to have fun again. Yeah. Yep. In a lot of ways. And sure. I, that comes directly from multiple conversations had in hotels with Abyss and with Rosemary and right. everyone just kind of chatting. Like, we're all kind of experiencing this at once. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, so at, at that time, sorry to you cut know, you off, but at that no, time, I think that was the hottest angle in all of wrestling, including WWE, the independent scene, no matter what out, ring of honor, it doesn't matter. I think that was the hottest angle at that time was, was the whole Hardy universe thing going on. And so when we got the news that they were going to, you know, they were like, Hey, I think, I think it's going to be you guys and the Hardys leading into right. uh, Bound for Glory. We were we were all excited, but yeah. we didn't know. I didn't know. Like I had no idea what we were in for when they explained it to us. Oh, like I didn't know how to prepare for it in the <laughs> sense of like, hey, we're going to do this build to the Great War, right? Um, so, but we need to, you know, we need to fly you guys in and do all this stuff and. Um, it was it was the hardest that I've ever worked in professional wrestling, but it was the okay. most fun I've ever had. Well, cool. And it was like it was long hours, but it was and it was all worth it too. Once you saw the final product, yeah, it, you know. So when we had found out that we were going to work with the Hardys, we were ecstatic. We were all on board. And then when we found out that we were going to do another deletion, which ended up being Delete or Decay, right? Uh, we filmed that in. Oh, I want to say it was close to like the summertime, so that wasn't so bad. But okay. I bring it up because most of our stuff that we filmed was outside. Yes. And so, the, like, we filmed it like it was a movie. It was yeah. like a low-budget B-horror movie. which yeah, is exactly. Like, right down my alley. It's so much fun. Right? So, <laughs> right. But it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a pro wrestling match. So I, I had, I didn't watch pro wrestling in order to like prep for this. I ended up, I just watched horror movies and I watched certain things like that's how I had to look at it, which was really new for me. I'd never had to do that before, but it was so exciting and so much fun. Right. Right. Um, and so we, you know, we would film from literally like from dusk till dawn. Wow. Uh, and like, 
as the sun is coming up, we're still like, we got to film, we got to shoot, get this shot, go, 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 go. go. <laughs> right. And the whole time, like, you know, the whole time we're doing it inside Matt Hardy's house and Jeff Hardy's pool and stuff like that, too. <laughs> yeah. So you got to understand from, like, for me personally, like, this is, it's blowing my mind. Right. Not only that, but now there's a drone that is flying above my head and it's shooting a Roman candle at my face. That's and, right. like, it's three in the morning and, <laughs> and I have wow. to run through this crazy fire pit <laughs> and I'm blind. Like, it's oh, just, it's God. awesome. <laughs> like, That's right. You got to put all this into consideration. Right. And, like, you wrap all wow. that up and it was, oh my God. It was, it was <laughs> I mean, oh. it was the time of my life. It was so right. much fun, you know, and I can remember, you know, I'm literally, it's five in the morning. I'm covered head to toe in like mud, and yeah. face paint. Uh, Billy Corgan is driving me home. I just had a drone shoot fireworks at my face. Wow. And we're going back to my hotel because we have to sleep for a few hours to get up because we got to do some more filming. Right. Tomorrow's the pool stuff. So then, <laughs> you know, like, as like a as a kid who came from like a little small town, yeah. like sitting in that car reflecting on my life then, I like that's it's crazy not to use like pun not intended, right. literally to you know to go from point A to point B like that, and just all the stuff in between. Literally, the most fun I've ever had. Oh my um, god! Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Uh, there's so much to talk about. There is. That, I know. In that alone, as far as like the leader decay is concerned, like that <laughs> I could do an entire podcast on that whole thing from, you know, having an underwater, the first ever, as far as I know, first ever professional wrestling underwater fight wow. with Jeff Hardy. Um, <laughs> you know. That is, that's uh, crazy. And again, for people who are listening and are not wrestling fans, you have to Google it, go look for it, watch some of this shit. Even if you just watch the highlights, you'll probably get the gist of it. But this is professional wrestling, and this is why I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not it's definitely not professional wrestling in the traditional sense. But I mean, I, I mean, professional wrestling in 2019 is crazy enough as it is anyway. Like it's sure. the rule, there there are no rules, which is great. But this is a, kind of like a precursor to that in certain aspects of right. like just everyone everyone's having fun, and you know, it was again, it was it was the one of the first times in my life where like something really big was happening i was a part of it i was happy and lucky enough to be a part of it right but it was something we were all passionate about it was something we all really worked hard on and thought was you know was going to work and they let us do it so when we saw the reaction that it was getting and we saw that everybody was in on it and everyone wanted to have fun the stuff that we were going to do that you guys never got to see was even crazier than the stuff that you guys saw before. And again, I don't mean to use that, but like right. in all reality, the, like what was it? I want to say it's like Slammiversary 2017. Okay. What you guys saw there was completely different than what you guys would have seen had right. like had certain things not transpired. Oh my God. I could only imagine. Holy shit. Yeah, it, w- it really would have changed a lot of stuff. It really would have changed a lot of like it was yeah it was it was nuts <laughs> and we like we and we can get into that too if that's if that's where we go I have no problem talking about that because it's so much fun and it's it'll never happen anyway so but well go for it what's one thing name me one at least then one crazy oh, thing that was supposed to happen that didn't okay so I mean for anybody who has brought been brought up on my impact career you know that I've done deleter decay 
and then we did um, total nonstop deletion yeah. with the Apocalypto match, which is where I was actually shot out of a volcano. <laughs> right. Um, that everything was happening. Everything was happening very well as far as like letting us do our thing mm -hmm. and. Total Nonstop Deletion was a was a great example of that. It was an entire show dedicated to this crazy universe that Matt Hardy has created in his yeah. brain. And at the time, we were, I say we as in the company, certain aspects of the company, were friendly with ROH, and they were talking to the Young Bucks at the time because the Young Bucks were liking what we were doing as well. Right. So there were supposed to be uh, two more deletion videos that would have ended up at Slammiversary. You were like supposed to get the early stages were supposed to be um, <laughs> it was apocalypto and then it was going to be too sweet delete which would have seen the Hardy Boys and the Young Bucks do a deletion video okay uh, and then we were going to do um, oh what was it called deletion death row or death row deletion okay which if if every if all sides had come to an agreement, mm -hmm. you would have seen the Hardy Boys, the Young Bucks, the Briscoes, and Decay. Oh wow! In a giant match that would have taken place, that we were going to film it in um, uh, an asylum in Nashville, where they right. filmed all the old Abyss stuff. Oh right! When yeah. he was with um, Father James Mitchell. Yeah. If you go back and see any of that footage. That's that was the original pitch. We were going to film a crazy, oh. uh, crazy hold like deletion wow. um, death row death row deletion video. Shit. With eventually it was going to come back around to decay coming back with the titles right. at the end of that. Through oddly enough, we we had pitched Father James Mitchell coming and joining, and like right. we were looking at expansion in that regard, or even some sort of mention of it, but like. The names that were floating around for like just <laughs> special guests within this universe right. of craziness from fellow pro wrestlers was it was awesome because people were just reaching out at this point it was it was getting over so it was kind of like hey you know somebody reach out to Bret Hart let's see if he'll do it <laughs> like or like just throwing out names you know what about New Jack you think New Jack would do this <laughs> like uh, Chic you know like everybody we were trying to like picture. Anybody awesome. that we wanted, that we thought we could find a cool role for that would want to be a part of what right. we were doing. And like, I feel like if the Young Bucks and if everyone had agreed and all of these things would have come to fruition, yeah, you would have had a lot more people come on board wow. and stuff like that. I think it really would have done some cool stuff. Yeah. But that's, sadly, that was not case and that's but that's pro wrestling like that happens all of the time oh i could only imagine the, the so. could have been right as they say yeah yeah absolutely and that's not even i don't put it out there to say like that oh that's exactly what was going to happen right, because that course. wasn't the case yeah yeah but these were ideas that were being floated around and at the time when we were floating around ideas like you never <laughs> knew if it was going to happen right you know a lot of times we were floating around ideas for the deleter decay stuff and right, it was right. like wait what that's not what do you mean we're going to do? They allowed that? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, cool. So you never really knew, right? Yeah, true. Oh, that's so cool, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I often think about that and think of like, oh, what could have been? Right. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another thing before we get into the Dumbass of the Week. I love horror gimmicks, like from their early days, like Papa Shango to Undertaker, 
to even Bray Wyatt and especially the the new version he's just out of this world and obviously yourself but are you a horror buff or do you love horror movies or are you into like that genre and, and shit like that is that how all this crazy or the maniacal crazy Steve came to be too um like I mean that's definitely part of it for sure okay I grew up liking horror my mom actually put me onto horror movies oh, as wow. a kid so like <laughs> shit. I, okay. I grew up in like you know Slasherville as far as you know Amity Horror <laughs> nice. and, and Freddy Krueger oh, and like my favorite. Child's Play oh yep. my god Child's Play another good any, one like my pal buddy you're Canadian you yep. know my, my pal buddy I had that thing as a kid Shut not up. knowing I was supposed to get that as a gift right <laughs> surprise I'm five uh uh-uh. uh no I broke that thing's head off as many times as I could in steel cage matches <laughs> right? just me smashing it on my fence <laughs> oh outside my trying to kill this murderous doll wow. my mom kept sewing it back on thinking Shut oh up. he's just roughhousing no mom it's haunting me oh but either way God. so I <laughs> um <laughs> Look up My Pal Buddy. It's terrifying. Google it. Of course. So, um, either way. So, I kind of, I I always grew up in that kind of, like, horror movie atmosphere. And, like, I'm I'm just, like, from that to comic books to superheroes. Right. To just, you know, natural interests in music and other stuff like that. Like, Crazy Steve is amalgamation, like a convergence of a lot of things. Gotcha. But horror definitely plays an aspect of it. That being said, I don't... I don't know if I consider myself a horror buff because I haven't watched a lot of horror movies. Like I kind of got out of it as I grew older because I kind of found like I've been seeing a lot of the same stuff over and over and over and over. And there are certain ones that catch my attention. Um, Three from hell. I'm super stoked for that. I'm excited for Rob Zombie's next thing. I'm definitely going to go see it. Chapter two. Yeah. Me too. Uh, Not that I consider that a horror. That's going to be a good movie overall, but either like something like that. It follows. That was great. Mm -hmm. Um, Babadook's that's be something that I've watched like as recent as that. But I don't think I would say I'm like super horror buff. That being said, it is kind of cool that I live beside Michael Myers. I'm not joking. I just moved recently. What and the? My, my next door neighbor is Nick Castle, and it's kind of awesome. So the real Michael, who, I, well, again, the guy who wears the mask in the movies. Yes. Oh yeah. my God. I just found this out. Like, literally, I walk my dog every day by, by his house, and I didn't realize. And then my next door neighbor was like, oh, yeah, don't you know? And I'm like, oh my God, what? So, like, and I'm definitely a, I'm definitely a Halloween mark, right. um, the original. And yeah. I do like zombies too. I mean, so um, do I. It gets a lot of grief, yeah. but yeah, it gets a lot of flack. But I like I Rob like Zombies, and I can argue it too. And I can see why people don't like it. But if you look at Halloween two through Laurie Strode's perspective, right. it becomes a very different movie, and that's who the movie was based to look through. So, uh. but either way, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your favorite? I guess what is it? Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday Thirteenth, Halloween. I have. Um, Okay, so my favorite horror movie. I have a deep love and respect for The Exorcist. Oh, wow. I have a deep love and respect for Halloween. Those are horror movies that I grew up watching um, over and over and over again. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I have seen all sort of crazy, like, Japanese horror movies and such and so forth as well. Right. I've gone down that rabbit hole. Oh, wow. But I have never been more affected by a horror movie than I was when I went and saw The Devil's Rejects. Really? I, I love yes. that movie. So that's that's in my top ten, probably. Yeah, so, I mean, th- 
don't get me wrong, there's classics out there and like that that was never gonna change. But yeah. I was at a time that when I saw it, I was at a time where like, you know, as a kid, yes, there's creepy, crazy horror movies and stuff like that, but I don't maintain those things. I wasn't old enough to comprehend that stuff. Oh, Whereas yeah. zombies <laughs> Devil's Rejects, that really? hotel scene is really intense. Yeah. And I wasn't ready for that. I was sitting there watching that like, oh, I feel really uncomfortable right now. And I feel like horror, part of horror is, is making the audience feel that way. is making the audience feel a sense of uncomfortability because yeah. like, that is in itself horrifying, right? I it's think not so. just about gore and, and splatter and stuff like that. It's, there is a way of you know, those certain uh, scenes or movies making an audience member feel uneasy and uncomfortable. And I feel like there's an art in that. Yeah. And that happened to me. That instance happened to me watching that movie. And I can remember coming out of that movie and just having this, having this huge effect on me. <laughs> and if you've seen it, it takes you on a roller coaster ride yeah. where the heels become the babies and the babies become the heels. And right. Freebird, how do you not, like, how do you top Freebird? <laughs> that's such a great, That great, whole scene. Yeah, especially in the theater too. Like oh, the, you know, the, every, yes. you're surrounded by it. Yeah, it had a really great impact on me. So um, I would say that's my favorite horror movie for those reasons. No, that makes sense. Well, I, my favorite, like I guess group. I don't have a favorite one, but I grew up on Nightmare on Elm Street. That's my jam. That's my shit. I love it to death. Not so yes. much the remake. But the older ones, of course, with Robert England and all that. Even Freddy vs. Yeah. Jason, that was fine too. Freddy vs. Jason is great. I know, it is right? Everything you want in like it was. a super showdown blow off. Yes, thank you. Right? Yes, yes. it's so was. 100%. It's, 100%. And I actually got to watch that one in the theater, so that was even better for me. Yes, I did too. Oh, yeah. Oh, perfect. It was, it's tremendous. Yeah, I grew up definitely like Freddy growing up was my, was my jam. You know, and I can remember sitting at my kitchen table at my grandma's house right. drawing cartoons of Freddy Krueger. And she's like, oh, what are you drawing there? Is that, you know, <laughs> is that a butterfly? No, grandma. It's, it's Freddy Krueger. You know, the you know, background behind him is the blood. <laughs> so like, that's hilarious. You know, it's also funny. I used to, I loved him so much that I used to dress up as him as a kid for, for Halloween, obviously, right? Uh, yes. And then I have two older siblings, so my brother ended up having a daughter of his own. So me and her sort of grew up like brother and sister, sort of. But then as I got older, I, I sort of took on her dad role. But when I was younger, I would put on the Freddy mask and scare the shit out of her. Still to this day, 30 years later, she still brings it up and says, you know, I still have nightmares because of that shit. I, well, I, <laughs> I can relate. I did the same thing. Oh, me and my you? cousin did the same thing <laughs> with Michael Myers. Oh, shit. We were huge Halloween fans. And, like, uh, <laughs> growing up, he was he was older than me. So he had kids. And we would stage. Okay. This sounds terrible. Oh, my oh, God. Okay. This, sounds, this sounds so terrible. But either way, we would stage this whole thing where, like, <laughs> I'd be the babysitter. Okay. And he would put on the mask. And oh, I would lead no. the kids, like, upstairs around corners where he would be. <laughs> and it was, we would go on and on and on and on right. and on. And, he, and again, to this day, the kids are like, you know, when you guys did that Michael bullshit, that wasn't cool. And I don't forget that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we did that. And I also did, um, for just for entertainment purposes, sure. me and that same cousin actually did, a like, a mock remake of The Exorcist with oh our own video God. camera. And, yeah. like, we're talking, like full-on building sets and having like a tiny like a budget and getting makeup and stuff like that because we love that movie so much as well right. that we recreated the reagan scenes and all the fun scenes and just for something to do because we were bored and we wanted to make our own movies That's so nuts. 
you know, I, as, as far as my history with horror is concerned, be, <laughs> those are definitely like highlights. And I guess for recent, recent series that I like is the Saw series. Like you said, they do the perfect of the mind fucking and making you puke at the same time. For, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they will definitely fill those buckets if those <laughs> if those need filling. Saws will do that. Uh. Yeah, I love them. Like th- those are. Uh, you know what? It's sort of a tie between those. I guess I like more Nightmare on Elm Street because again, it's the remembering the past and it's sort of touching it's my very heart. So, yeah, exactly. It's, Whereas yeah, Saws yeah. more recent and all that. Even though they're doing a remake now, so I don't know what the hell's going to go on there. But we'll see right, what well, happens. They're, they're doing two more Halloween movies and they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that too. You know, yeah. So like. Yeah. Whatever makes it's, money, I guess. The, yeah, yeah. The wheel keeps on. She keeps on spinning. <laughs> All right. You want to see if uh, the dumbass of the week is an actual dumbass of the week? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I pulled up this article. Let's see if we both. Well, I think he's a dumbass because I'm bringing it up. So let's see if you think he's a dumbass. So a, po- a police officer in. Let's see where this is. I want to get my facts straight this time around. So a police officer in Vermont was uh, giving a ticket to someone who was speeding, I guess, on the shoulder of the road. When so be it, another car comes and clips his car. So the cop's car gets clipped and the other guy keeps on going. And then they ended up finding him finally like a, a mile down the road. So police arrested 55-year-old. This name might sound familiar, but it's not him. And that's why I'm saying his name. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Again, like they say, he is not the actor. After hitting the police car. Now... He ended up going to jail, and he lost his license and everything. Can you guess for what? It involved his phone. He was looking something up on his oh, phone. Oh, no. What, I don't, you don't know? Kevin Bacon? I couldn't tell you what Kevin Bacon is looking up on his phone. <laughs> that could be anything. Let's be real here. <laughs> Let's be real. Okay. It's true. Someone could be looking up anything, but... You should, uh, first off, you shouldn't be looking up anything Not on your phone. Not someone. This man is going around his entire life, and his name is Kevin Bacon. Okay, he has the same conversation every single day. All right, mm-hmm. he's a stressed out individual. Mm-hmm. You have to understand. Okay, he's always constantly having. No, not that one. No, that no, I'm not. True. Okay, that is exactly. True. Okay, so he's a stressful <laughs> human being. I don't, is he on his way to work? He probably hates his job because you know what? It's not doing what the other Kevin Bacon's doing. That so he true. definitely hates his job. Okay. <laughs> So I don't know what he's looking up. It could be like, it could, it could be a recipe for something. Maybe he's really into baking and that's how he de-stresses. Uh, or he could live with 7,500 cats and he's looking up some sort of flea medicine. I don't know. <laughs> it could be anything. Oh, it's Kevin Bacon we're talking about here. <laughs> However, what I do know is he hit a cop car and then he kept going. So, because apparently. I can't do when he was looking at his phone is when he sideswiped the cop car and he says in his defense that he didn't feel that he hit the cop car. So that was his defense, by the way. Oh, that is tremendous. Now, I'm coming at this story from somebody who has been hit by two cars. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, hey, man, you're blind. You have to walk everywhere. It's bound to happen. So, makes and sense. here's the thing is it was from the same place as well, like the exact same place. I was oh, coming my. out of college. Shut up. And... And there was a, believe it or not, there was like a, a police station okay. right beside our college. Right. And there was this crosswalk where cops or whoever was working there, whether they be office people, would come out of there. And there's a stoplight there, but the, everyone's looking at their phones. Everybody, because they're just coming out of work. 
I'm walking by, they're looking at their phones, and then they start to drive off as I start to walk. Right. And I was hit once. Oh, my God. And, and it, I looked up, and the dude literally looked up from his phone and said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he just kind of nudged me just a little bit. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I was more in shock than anything. Two weeks later, okay. same scenario, oh my coming God. out of college, another car. Same thing, looking down, hits me. This time I'm on top of his hood. Literally, I got to wow. get up on top of his hood. He keeps rolling slightly, then looks up, hits the brakes. I get off. I see his, he's again looking up from his phone. Right. And I kick in his car door as far as I could because I fucked that shit. Good I had enough you. of this getting hit by cars. You know, this is bullshit. I've had enough of you people looking on your phones. Oh my God. I don't so, blame you. I don't blame you, man. It, yeah. I used to hate car accidents. Now I just hate cell phones. <laughs> I, um, I'm the same way because I see it all the time. Whenever you roll up to someone, when you look, because everyone does it as a driver, when someone cuts you off or someone does something stupid, you go beside them to see who they are just in case. Yeah. And you yeah. always see the same thing nowadays. They have their face buried in their fucking phone. It's like, ah, that's why he can't drive or she can't drive. Yeah. yeah. But, and like I, I ride with people who do that. Too. Oh, shit. Like, dude, you don't know what you're doing. Like, seriously, I get it. Like, but no, come on. Either way. We're not talking about me. We're talking about Kevin Bacon. Yes. He, again, stressed out. His life sucks because he's, you know, he's not that one. But now he's hit a cop car and he's made off. And it's because he didn't feel like he hit him. And now the important question that I posed at the beginning. What was he looking up on his phone? Oh, God. He was looking. Remember, 55-year-old man named Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. He was he, looking. Okay. Go, go. Okay, if I'm going to guess, he's sure. looking up how to legally change his name. <laughs> Good guess. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Nope. He was looking up an episode from a very popular 90s TV show. You may have heard of it called Saved by the Bell. He was looking up the episode called Screech's Spaghetti Sauce. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, In his murder murder vehicle he was looking up screech's spaghetti sauce saved by the bell almost hits a police officer strikes his car continues to go because he didn't feel a thing that's who's on our road ladies and gentlemen kevin bacons are everywhere i just want to let you know kevin bacons are everywhere those people really exist yep (laughs) and unfortunately like i mean yeah that's so it's safe to say this man, Kevin Bacon, is a dumbass? He's a dumbass. He's a dumbass for <laughs> being on his phone in the first place while driving a murder vehicle. Whether he looks at it like that or not, the reality of the situation is that's what he was doing. That's what yeah. he was driving. And a lot of times people don't take that into consideration. No, they don't. It's true. We're, no. we're, we're poking and like fun and shit. spaghetti up. sauce probably isn't that good. Let's yeah. be real. You, you know could, what? You, there's way better recipes that you could be looking up. And I did mention recipes too. And not only that, <laughs> of all the uh, episodes to bring up from Saved by the Bell, Screech's Spaghetti Sauce? Like, yeah, honestly? I, like, was it really that good? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> it at all, so it couldn't have been that good. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, either way, to put it all into consideration. He is a dumbass, yeah. Oh, perfect. Fantastic. Well, Steve, this is your time to shine. Where can people find you on your socials? Uh, whatever you want them to find you or where people could look for you. 
Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Steve of Crazy. I don't use it as much. Uh, something about not having very good eyesight and staring at a phone, just writing is not a lot of fun for me. So right. I'm not on it often. I am trying to get on there a little bit more active. Instagram is my thing. I'm under TNA underscore crazy underscore Steve. And no, I'm not going to change it. I already had the blue check mark. I'm not changing the TNA. I don't care. If that's not what the company is called anymore, or if I don't work there anymore, I'm not changing it because I'm too lazy to do that. So <laughs> you can find me there. I do love Fair Instagram. Enough. Instagram's my thing. I'm very artsy, so I love art and all of that uh, voyeurism. So Instagram is my jam. And you can book me if you're ever interested in doing that at bookcrazysteve at gmail. And that's it, man. That's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. And you could also email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please go support the sponsors, blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code thepodcast25 with a capital D. You'll get 25% off. Poppyapparel.com. Use promo code thepodcast with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. And firstrow.ca. Use promo code thepodcast20. You'll get 20% off. And please, very important, go subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, whatever your choice Voices, whatever they do or ask for you to do there when you rate review however they do it i don't know some places have hearts some places have thumbs up some places have reviews some places have stars whatever it is please do it that's very important that's almost as important as supporting the sponsors and myself all good steve yeah man yeah that was easy peasy right exactly i try yeah no it was easy perfect love it on that note yeah. he's steve i'm steve this is the podcast peace <laughs>